bullshit, it's all just dumb gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody! Hola, bienvenido, bienvenue, shalom, everybody! Welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie, and I'm Brandy. Nihao, ma. <laughs> and normally, this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics, but this is a, a very special episode. Uh, international episode. Uh, a sissy. Yeah, um, Julie is actually right now, as you hear this, sitting in her parents' house, mm. probably trying to figure out if she can buy drugs from any of her old high school friends. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You know I brought my own drugs with me. <laughs> and I don't talk to anyone from high school. Well, you always say that you talk to people from Camp Tevia, and I have to remind you, that's not high school, girl. Right, but I was in high school yeah, but at a time during it. It's not the it. same. It's not the same to be like, oh, I made friends outside of high school. Oh, right. Like with my cousins and stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so Julie's out of town, so we're pre-recording this episode. So while you're hearing it, we pre-recorded this episode last week. But that doesn't make it any less important to us. That's these are, right. These are actually things that Julie always wants to talk about, and I never let her because I think international news is boring <laughs> and confusing as fuck. Right. And after re-listening to the thing, you <laughs> might be correct. It's hard to understand, and it is hard to pay attention to, but I do like it. So I was excited to get into it and do research and stuff and pretend I was a historian and... You know, that would be my other life would be a historian. Yeah, I mean, and you're good. You are. I mean, it gets a lot of words, words, words. And my voice, obviously, you guys are all used to it. But um, the bottom line is, since you're you're the expert. I mean, okay, well, you know. compared to me. And you are, you are, you are. You're good. Um, you're going to be the teacher. And me and the 14 listeners are going to be your students. And, and you're going to tell us all the things. And you're all going to get graded. <laughs> I'm going to go around to each one of you and look at your papers. <laughs> and I'm not even going to grade you on your papers. I'm going to grade you on your looks. Yeah, you're a very sexy, sassy teacher. <laughs> I am a sexy, sassy teacher. <laughs> Her class, class is in session now. So everybody get in your seats or else I'm going to be mad. And you don't oh want me to be mad. Because if I get mad, then you're going to get it. <laughs> And I didn't bring any chalk to class today. No, no, I just brought my myself and my books and my hands Jesus. and my, my my glasses and my. Mm. Okay, teacher. Well, when you when you teach, I'm just mm. gonna chime in with inane, ignorant questions. Uh-huh. And hopefully, when it's all said and done, we've all le- learned a little fucking something about international <laughs> affairs. Okay, yeah, we're gonna have an affair, all right. <laughs> we're gonna have lots of affairs: international, domestic, national, intergalactic. <laughs> 
So let's get to our first and most pressing global story, North Korea. There's nobody I can relate to. Feel like a bird in a cage. It's kind of scary, but not really. Because it's fearing my body with rage. I'm the smartest, most clever, most physically fit. But nobody else seems to realize it. When I change the world, maybe they'll notice me. And until then, I'll just be lonely. Yeah, little lonely. Poor little me. Okay. North Korea is a complicated ass subject. So, to help us break it all down, we have a, a very special guest, author and commentator Michael Malice. Michael has been a guest on every single baller news mm-hmm. show talking about North Korea. Mm-hmm. He is the expert on the shit. He even wrote a book about it called Dear Reader The Unauthorized Autobiography of Kim Jong Il. If you've ever seen a news segment about North Korea, I guarantee you Michael's ass was there. And for some reason, he agreed to come on this podcast, even though we only have 14 listeners. Yeah, well, that was probably because you Twitter flirted with him. Well, do whatever it takes. (laughs) That's true. And everyone should know that. Well, we're very lucky to have him. I can't even believe he wrote a book about Kim Jong-il. Do you know how much goddamn research (laughs) you'd have to do to write a book about Kim Jong-goddamn-il? There's no one that knows more about North Korea than this guy. So without further ado, hey, Michael. (laughs) That is literally the best intro I've ever gotten. Because usually they even get the title wrong, subtitle, because it's unauthorized autobiography and people think it's an unauthorized biography. I'm like, no, it's in the first person. I invented new genre. And for a show that calls itself dumb, you guys are pretty smart so far. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. An author told us we're smart. Well, so excited. Once we get the interview going, you'll see quite quickly. In fact, (laughs) I'm the dumb. Well, I'm the dumb and dumb gay. Which is... So, um... I need you to start at the beginning because literally I just found out where North Korea even was um, (laughs) last week when this all started. So um, I need just to know why they're mad (laughs) at us and and how in the world they turned their all of their citizens into like a mind controlled army. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a New York Times piece, I think, that went around where Americans were asked to find North Korea in a map and they a lot of them pick like India <laughs> and it's like, it, it, it's like, no. And that, that house, like, how do you not know? Like India's shape is pretty, you know, clear to and me it, at least. And but it's quite large. North Korea's, it, yeah. So, so the Korea's, their whole point of view is the Korea, Korea as a country was one country for a very, very long time. According to their propaganda, which I, I you ask what kind of research you have to do to write a book like this. Well, it's not fun. You know, I went there and I read all their propaganda and all the Western books to write my story because I wanted you to be able to read this book and know everything you need to know. So according to them, Korea was the first government on Earth. Korean was the first language spoken. (laughs) And then they arose in the Korean Peninsula. You're laughing, but that's because you've been brainwashed by U.S. imperialist propaganda. Mm. They know the truth. We're dumb. Uh, So. But when did they Korea start? Was one country for millennia and racially pure. They're, they're the most homogenous and most racist country on earth. And that's something we don't talk about much in our press. But this is a very important part of their worldview 
racial purity, right? So they're in many ways. They probably are the, the most pure. If you think about it. Well, then no one's let in and no one's let out. Yeah. So you're fucking only North Koreans. Yeah, yeah that's too bad. Exactly. And, and, and this is one of their big arguments against South Korea that we're the U.S. imperialists, how they refer to us, are keeping the South captive and are basically impregnating their women and diluting <laughs> Korean blood. So this is a very big deal for them. Mm. So I mean, if they would let they a were, little bit of dilution get in, they might get a little more attractive. <laughs> I mean, because well, don't you I, think North Koreans are quite unattractive, the ones that live there? Mm, mm, interesting. Well, you were there. <laughs> what did you think? What, how are, what are we talking about physically here? <laughs> well, I mean, the problem is North Korea's ideology is called Juche, which means self-reliance. So if they don't produce something they their ideas it's not of value to them so the guide i met you know when you go there you have a guide who takes you around there's always right. two of them so they can watch each other mm. a male and a female i asked her what she wanted me to send her from abroad and she wanted perfume and hand lotion so they're not allowed to have like makeup they're not allowed to have i know those are western beauty standards but when you have a population that's worried about food uh trying to look the part falls away however Ironically, in Pyongyang, the capital city, the wealthiest of New York, all the women were in six or eight inch platform heels. Mm. All of them, even the ones in traditional Korean gear. So they're desperately trying to look good, but you can't when the best place to buy anything is at the 99 cent store. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Well, when did they? So we know that there was the Korean War and the North and South split, but how did they start to? really mind control i mean in your research how did they start to confine the country so that people couldn't learn about anything outside the country like when did that start right so one of the ways i describe my book is it starts off like a fairy tale because there's all these magical stories about you know the great leader kim il-sung and the leader kim jong-il but it ends like as a murder mystery because it took a long time and step by step for this family to destroy this country. This mm. didn't happen overnight. And it was methodical and careful. You know, at the very beginning, they're a, you know, a puppet state of the Soviet Union, very pro-Russia. In fact, it was Stalin who was referred to as the great leader before Kim Il-sung. And then little by little, they would do things like kick out foreigners. Then anyone who studied abroad was sent to concentration camps. Except then for... It became illegal. And I'm sorry to interrupt right. you, but it just seems hypocritical being that anyone who, who studied outside got put into concentration camps when that chub, Kim Jong, the <laughs> Kim Jong Un, right? That's yeah. the new one. He studied in Switzerland or whatever. Like, yeah, but they, the people don't know that. And that's never discussed. Oh, they in don't fact, know? Kim Jong Un's existence wasn't even mentioned until he was old enough to kind of be regarded as a successor. The way they look at their leaders isn't like we look at President Trump or President Obama. It's the way we look at Uncle Sam, right? Uncle Sam is this figure who represents our country and kind of like if there's a war, he's punching people in the face. Right. So with them, their leaders aren't human beings who have families and live in a house. Mm. They're this almost supernatural being who flies around the country right. and makes sure the factories are running. So they so the actually... Idea that they're ha right. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was going to say, so they actually look at that family as if they're gods, like for real gods. I mean, do we look at Uncle Sam as a god or like as a figure? You know what I mean? It's kind of like closer like that. But basically mm. the idea that like you would describe human characteristics to, to the... Like, to a cartoon characteristic doesn't apply. Right. Right, 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 right. Well, that sounds godlike to me in a weird way. So even though it's like Uncle well, Sam, which is a cartoon, you I know, I think it's like more of an idol, not really a or god. an idol. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. There are certainly godlike characteristics. But here's like here's a, here's an example that shows how it works on us. Uncle Sam must have nieces and nephews, but we never stop to think who, who his siblings are, right? Like in all our lives, and it's the same thing. You never think Kim Jong Il has a wife and a kid because it's like you don't think in those terms. It's well, just like he's this creature. Well, yeah, but we, I, 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 I guess I'm wondering, and you sort of described it. It's like I look at Uncle Sam as a cartoon character, and I haven't thought, does Uncle Sam have nieces and nephews? Because I know Uncle Sam isn't real. However, if I'm in North right. Korea, I look at that and think that's real. And so, where did? In what generation did people stop thinking and start believing in, as far as I'm concerned, a cartoon character slash, you know, or that God is real, whatever. They are literally like, like so cut off and so, I don't even know what the word is. It's like they're in a cult. Yeah, mo- isolated. Yeah. You know. So it, it, it was a slow process and now it's slowly fading away. Oh, it is. So as the great leader Kim Il-sung started, you know, closing the walls in, you know, it was originally a Marxist communist country. Then it became the point reading Marx became illegal because Marx is outdated. And now we have the thoughts of the great leader, Kim Il-sung, anything foreign started to be banished. But the question became, who's going to take over, God forbid, right, if, when the great leader, Kim Il-sung, passes away? Right. So his brother and his son, Kim Jong-il, were both vying to take over as the, the subsequent leader. Ooh. And they both started building a personality cult around the great leader Kim Il-sung and competing to see who would win dad's favor or brother's favor. In this case, it was Kim Jong-il who won, doing things like there's this 80-foot statue of, of Kim Il-sung in Pyongyang that everyone bows down before, mm-hmm. and you know, writing these plays and claiming he wrote them during the colonial period and all this other magical stuff. So the more he built up dad's reputation, the more he became the successor, and the more the reflected glory came on him. So everything there is a function of the first one, the great leader, Kim Il-sung. And that's why the current one, Kim Jong-un, has that haircut. Because that's the <laughs> haircut that's like the, the great leader, Kim Il-sung, had yeah. in the 40s. Now, is Kim Jong-un trying to, because we know that, I watched like a couple documentaries and they, it was like the great granddad was beloved and he was the, you know, and everyone was obsessed with him. And then Kim Jong-il came in and ruined everything. And then there was the famine. Right. And he fucked up the whole situation and was the grossest one. But then Chubbs came in and now he's trying to, I mean, I know he killed the uncle and clearly that country is still fucked. But is he, what are, what is he Did doing? That, the, well, wait, Kim Jong-un killed this, the brother that didn't, that, that, the he, uncle. he killed his uncle. Yeah, well, yeah. But Michael was saying that Kim Jong Il. No, no, that was Kim Jong. Kim Jong Il was fighting with his uncle, and Kim Jong Un killed Kim Jong Il's brother-in-law. Oh, the brother-in-law. Oh, okay. okay. So, I was wondering what happened to the other guy that didn't end up getting it. He must have been pissed. Well, he was <laughs> deported to, I think, Poland to be a diplomat. Poland. Oh, okay. What are they? I mean, what are the Polish people being like? What's this fucking North Korean so guy doing here? So, what were you going to ask? Uh, what was I going to ask? What, was you, oh, what I was going to ask is how the country is. It seems like, at least from what they're sort of showing propaganda-wise or documentary-wise, that the country is sort of going through small changes for the better. Yes, 100%. It's Mm. getting a lot better in every way. Thank the Lord. This is the worst place on earth. Yeah. Because what's happened is during the 90s, so let's rewind a little bit. Up until 89, you had Kim Il-sung playing China and Russia off each other. And they would both give him money, and it, was, it wasn't flat-out money, but it would be the kind of thing like they'd send him gasoline 
and he'd send them like crappy socks, and they'd say, "Okay, we're square." <laughs> what? So yeah, and what is? Can thing. you t- can you actually go back a little bit and describe what the interest or agenda is from Russia and China? F- in North Korea, what do they sure. want from them? Sure. So basically, Russia and China were both at the t- during the communist period. They were both wanting to be the big dog in the second world. They wanted to kind of uh, each, you know, they had a huge rivalry, and uh, North Korea has strong historical ties with both. It has China in Manchuria has a huge Korean-speaking population. Co- North Korea has a small border with Russia, but its basis is Russian culture, Soviet Stalinist culture. So they both had claims to kind of have relations with North Korea. And many countries do this with the U.S. and Russia now. You know, you play them off each other and say, hey, this guy's offering me this. What can you offer me? Mm. And, you know, both countries wanted a buffer between their borders and South Korea, where the, the Americans are, and with Japan. So this I is, just you don't know, get so why anyone just- cares about such a insignificant, small – it's so small. You know what I mean? Like it's Because not- you, don't want, you don't want America – to be right on your border in China or in Russia. Oh, okay. I see. So they're a physical buffer between South Korea, which has a huge American military presence. I see. And I mean, less now, but was, you know, back then, this was a big issue between, you know, we didn't have diplomatic relations with China uh, until Nixon came in the 70s. So, you know, of course, for decades, they're going to be like, okay, let's keep these people happy. Yeah. And, and frankly, let's let them be the ones who get damaged instead of us. Let them fight. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, let them be the front lines. So what happens is the Soviet Union collapses in 89, and both China and Russia were like, we're not giving you any money anymore. But North Korea is not producing anything of value to trade. They also don't have gasoline anymore, and it's a highly mountainous region. Without gasoline, you can't run the factories. Without the factories, you can't run fertilizer. And without fertilizer, you can't grow crops. So up to 10% of the population starved during the 90s. They launched a a campaign called Let's Eat Two Meals a Day Instead of Three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry. And and now things are a little better because they've been allowing more money to come in and offered some more trade. But the people are waking up, especially in the big cities, to what a bunch of crap. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to figure out or wondering, like, how – uh, you know, you know, they can't have internet, and the only they, it's all closed circuit TV, and they're only watching their their own selves. But because of technology and just the way it is, someone somewhere, it, you know, there has to be some underground people or who have figured out how to connect onto the internet who are who are yeah waking up and seeing the getting glimpses of the world. I would imagine it's not the internet; they have memory sticks and CD-ROMs and, oh. and VHS. North Korea is the world's largest collector of VHS players, right? No. So a memory stick, think how much data you can hold on one little memory stick. Look how easy it is to transport and to copy. Yeah. And not only that, you have people on the border with China looking across the river being like, why do they have lights on at night? Right. And as more and more people go to China and come back and report what it's like there, it's like, why are we hungry? Yeah, 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 Kim Jong-un's great. He can walk on water. Why am I hungry? Yes. So they let them go and travel to China. So they are traveling to China? They're allowed to go out and travel now? They're not allowed, but because the government is having increasing problems feeding their army, what happens is you go to the border, you give the guy a bribe, Mm. you go get, you trade stuff in China, you sell ginseng or whatever, you (laughs) come back and the guy gets his cut. It's like a tax. It's like a tariff. Right. And then everyone's happy. Um, I had a question about, do they have drugs there? Do they like? Yeah, so North Korea is a huge producer of crystal meth, especially wow. in the north. 
Yeah, so they're very big on amphetamines. Uh, I don't think they would wait. They don't really wait. Weed is not a thing because they're not going to waste cropland on marijuana. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the climate probably isn't good for it either because marijuana, is, my understanding, is needs, you need this, the greenhouses for that. Uh, it's a very cold country. Uh, but meth is produced for export and is used recreationally. Wow. So basically, where you live in North Korea, this is also something that people don't get, you know, the layers of hell. Where you live there is determined by how loyal you are to the government and your family. <gasps> So the people who aren't loyal are in the Northeast. Well, they also have the less incentive to believe in the regime. So they're making that what they call ice, crystal meth, and using it and, and selling it. I have a question. Good for them. Yeah, really. I mean, you got to have something. Um, do you think that they're... So when we see their, you know, images of the military and they have the nuclear bomb and they've got one that can reach the coast of California and we see like the thousands and thousands of people marching in these in these grand spectacles, um, I often wonder, are, are, are they, re- like, can they really do damage or is that shit like going to fall apart? You know what I mean? Is it just like they have old Russian yeah. shit and it just doesn't work, but it looks good or does it really, are they really a threat? Well, here's, first of all, one of the things they, they have the fourth biggest, largest, largest army in the world. But what's interesting about them, which people don't realize their army is not just sitting around, like going through marches. They use them for construction. <laughs> So oh. everyone in the army is building buildings, so they're, they're actually a resource in that sense. They're not a threat in the sense of attacking another country, and here's how we know they're not a threat. There's two types of bank robbers. There's the bank robber who comes in the bank, shoots up the ceiling, gets his loot, and gets out of there, right? Yeah. Then there's the bank robber who comes in, shoots up everybody, and gets out of there. Now, you want to be dealing with the first one and not the second one. The first one is annoying, but this is hardly a situation. The second one is a real threat. When they're firing their missiles, they're firing them into the ocean. They're not firing them at Seoul. They're not firing them at Tokyo. You know, there was this picture, I think, two years ago of Kim Jong-un and his MacBook. And behind them, there was, like, these images of nuclear missiles hitting Austin. And my friend called me. He's like, are they going to nuke Austin? I'm like, if you were going to nuke Austin, why were you going to send this out on Instagram, right? Mm. You know, like, when we hit Syria, we weren't like, hey, by the way, Syria, we're about to hit you. So the fact that they're, like, yelling so much about what they're going to do and they're going to destroy the world, they've been doing this, they've been yelling at this for decades, but they've never done any of it because they know that the response would be enormous and monstrous. Yeah. And this time, just in, in the Korean War, China and Russia had their back. China's not going to have their back in this sense, in the sense of sending in troops to help them. Maybe China would ask for a ceasefire or, or broker one. But they're not going to be sending in troops to defend North Korea. Do you think that there's a timeline on North Korea um, destroying itself and they're becoming one Korea? There's this quote from either Steinbeck or Hemingway that I always say, which goes, how did you go bankrupt two ways, gradually and then suddenly? Uh You remember the Arab (laughs) Spring, right? And how quickly everything changed overnight. And when you have something this unstable, you don't know what's going to be the fire that's going to put this kindling up in smoke. And already you have a cynical population. The country is becoming very corrupt, which is great, because that means people don't trust the law and they don't trust the government and they're ready for a change. Mm. Because if the government's not giving them food and they have to do it through the black market, well, what the heck do you need the government for then, right? Right. Yeah, I wonder. That's why I think like what the underground is like and who would take over and would North Korea and South Korea become one Korea? And obviously China wants to come in and own them all. And hopefully that won't happen and Korea stays Korea. But I do wonder like what they're like, what's going on in the underground and who's going to fight back and who, you know, um, also, yeah. The other thing, just just quickly, the other thing to realize, which is even another layer of hell with this country is if you look at Romania and if you look at Libya and Iraq, 
when these regimes collapse, the people at the top are personally killed. Yes, yeah. So even if Kim right. Jong Un, yes. So even if Kim Jong Un wanted to step down, what do you think is going to happen to him? They're going to give him a parade in China? No, no, no. no. This guy should be shot. <laughs> yeah, they totally. should all be shot. I feel like Kim Jong-un might also... And I know gay people don't exist in North Korea, just like they don't exist in Chechnya and Russia and the Middle East. However, do you think he's gay? I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's... So here's... The, the, let's talk about gays in North Korea because yeah, it's very, let's. very interesting. Yeah. There, there's two points that, that are hilarious. I saw this documentary, and there's an ostrich ranch in Pyongyang. They grow ostriches, right? Of course. Why wouldn't they? Ostriches? So... The ostriches, yeah, giant, the biggest bird. Okay, yeah. So for me, they grow. So there's a Western journalist, I think he's from Canada, and this is his second trip, and he's at the ostrich ranch talking to his guides, and he's like, last time I was here, I talked to you guys about gays and lesbians, and they're like, yeah, 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 you know, like, yeah, we don't have that. <laughs> like, they're kind of annoyed, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. Um, and then he goes, yeah, and then he goes, well, what about bisexual people? Oh. And they just sigh, and they're like, What? <laughs> and you could tell that they're like, all right, we wrapped our heads around the fact that you have guys who have sex with guys, women who fall in love with women. But what you have this both thing, no, no, I, I, it's too much. It's too much. They couldn't handle it. But the, 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 the other part, which is interesting, is Kim Jong-il has three sons. Uh-huh. The youngest is Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-nam was just recently murdered. Mm. The middle son might be gay because he's too much like a, the word they use is a sissy and oh. too much like a girl to rule over a militaristic country, and that's why he was passed over. And so where does he live now? Gay town. No, uh, where does he, he live now? Not clear. He's in, well, he's in Fire Island. <laughs> and how did the other brother get murdered? Do we well, know? The, the eldest one was just murdered in that airport um, when that lady came up behind oh, him. Oh, with the poison. On a, on a rag. Oh, that was him. Oh. That's badass. Yeah. That is badass. <laughs> that is so badass. And I would imagine, I know we, we have to wrap it up, but just speaking of getting, now I'm getting into the, like, how sexist is that culture? Or is it not? Is oh, North Korea is extremely sexist. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, they're not. I mean, not only are they living in the past, they're living in the past in several senses. However, uh, the one feminist icon that they have—she's not a feminist—but you have the great leader Kim Il Sung, the dear leader Kim Jong Il, and Kim Jong Il's mother is referred to as anti-Japanese heroine Kim Jong Suk, <laughs> and she's always depicted with a little pistol. And she's talked about how great she was at shooting the Japanese oh um, and, and being a good wife. So she's kind of their Virgin Mary figure. Right. Uh, but she was a badass. Wow. God, I love that shit. I mean, do, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And, and the things that she did, like, like during the, the occupation, like she would wear the General Kim Il-sung's clothes to dry them out. And she cut her hair to line his shoes to make them soft. Ew. So she was a good, obedient wife, <laughs> but she was also great with the gun. Oh, God. I mean, that wow. does sound like a dream lady. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Michael. I, I, I can't believe we run out of time. I could talk about this forever. I, um, I want to remind our dear listeners that your full name is Michael Malice, and your book is called Dear yeah. Reader, The Unauthorized Autobiography of Kim Jong-il. And tell them where they can find you on all your social medias. It's, it's just Michael Malice on, on everything. Oh, it is just when, just like on Twitter and everything? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much for talking to us. This was super interesting and you were a lot of fun and we hope to uh, talk to you again. It was a total blast. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Okay. Well, <laughs> say goodbye to Korean barbecue, oh. kimchi, oh, oh. nail salons, oh. and apparently crystal meth because <laughs> we're leaving North Korea and going across the way to England 
so you can teach us all about Brexit. Cheerio! How come every time you come around my London, London Bridge, wanna go down like London, 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 wanna go down like London, 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 be going down like How come every time you come around my London, London Bridge, wanna go down like London, 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 wanna go down like London, 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 be going down like Brexit. <clears throat> so I don't know dick about this, but let me just take a stab at it. I think the nickname Brexit stands for Britain's exit. And I think the exit means from the European Union. Ding, 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 ding. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That was all common sense, guys. That was great. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I kept hearing that word Brexit, too. And it sounds like a crumpet fucked a piece of bread. <laughs> so um, mm, that sounds good. <laughs> right. Now Why we've been starving. Able- I don't know. Okay. I wish I was. Ugh, no, no. You know what? I'm glad I'm not starving. I'm no appetite. It's crazy. Now, we've been able to boil it down, basically. Okay, so I tried to... All right. A group of people in England didn't want their taxes and their money to any longer be embroiled in helping any other people around Europe or be part of a greater European Union because it isn't specifically and only for Britain and the UK. So they have the same problems we have. Again, that's why all these things are connected, and it's crazy. Well, it's probably just a tale as old as time. Like Belle, our producer of this. Yes. She's a tale as old as time. And you know what? I mean, yeah. It comes we down have to fucking to, money. Some people want to help and some people don't. We. It also does seem like if you take an aerial view of what's going on, let's just say Europe and America, just alone. Okay. You have the same sentiment being spoken of by the people over and over again. I'm blue collar. <laughs> I'm My jobs are being taken away by immigrants. I don't have jobs. What are we supposed to do? I'm not making enough money. Health insurance isn't good. Um... Like the 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 school system sucks. It, it's like people have gotten so rich, but people have also gotten so poor. Well, and then the rich, I think, exploit those feelings by the people you're talking yes. about by being like, yeah, 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 let's not pay taxes. We right. don't want to pay taxes. Right. I don't want to pay taxes. Right. And now no one wants to pay taxes right. for all different reasons. Right. And then the only people really willing to do it are like a, a handful of benevolent rich right. people. Right. So everyone feels screwed. And they are. Mm hmm. Now, what is the European Union? The European Union is a political and economic union of 28 member states that are located primarily in Europe. Okay, the EU. Wait, yeah. Wait. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like a bunch of, it's every place in Europe. Why isn't that just like the United, why isn't that just considered Europe? Like United States. Because they were, they're all different countries. But okay. what the European Union is trying to do is to make it one Kind of like United States. Kind of like the United States. (laughs) Okay. Do they all have to put their money in it? Yes. Okay. So So it is like the United States. It's just like the United States. However, states, those shouldn't be countries. Right. So, okay. Now, it has developed an internal single market through a standardized system of laws that apply in all member states. What? So they have have one single market in Europe. Okay. Much like in the United States. And they use the euro. Then they use the euro. Okay. And those laws apply to all the member states. However, and this is where it gets confusing and we cannot even get into the intricacies of it because okay. you, you'll die. But that we'll probably, all die. So are you saying that that like back, I remember when I was a kid and stuff that they used the pound in England and then they, everybody went to the euro. Right. So that that's was, for the European okay, Union. Okay, so that's when that started. Right, right. Um... The EU policies aim to ensure the free movement of people, goods, services, and capital with the 
internal market, enact legislation in justice and home affairs, and maintain common policies on trade. A monetary union was established in 1999, and this is where the euro comes from. I was about to say 2000. God, I was even so proud of myself I knew that. The the UE, the European Union as a whole, is the largest economy in the world, if you look at it as one union. Mm Mm-hmm. And it covers 7.3% of the world's population. So why does, you said why England wants to roll. Yes. They want to bounce because their people don't want to pay these taxes because they must have high taxes. They don't only want to pay taxes out to some union. Because then it goes to like fucking whatever. Let me think of a random, like Scotland. I can't even think of a good one. Well, Scotland and, okay, but (laughs) Scotland is part of the UK. So Scotland would already be part of the UK. So it will imagine like Germany or fine. So they're like, I'm not fucking going to pay or taxes to Serbia to get my shit or right. So it's some Serbia. tiny country. Oh, yeah, because it's Eastern Europe and Ooh, more and more East- Eastern Europe. Right, right. I forgot. I only think Scandinavia, of some of Scandinavia is in it. So so um, there's a ton of Eastern European countries that are waiting to mm. get into it. But mm. in order to be able to be a country that gets into the EU, you have to follow like human rights laws. You have to follow. You know, it's like right now, Chechnya probably couldn't get into it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. So. Now, I always was annoyed that England was a part of it because I was like, right, England needs to be its own thing. Well, that's what these people feel. Yeah. And that's what Theresa May, the prime minister, feels strongly. She's like, are we... they the only one with a monarchy? I bet they are. I don't but... think they're the only one with a monarchy. Oh. I think there's other there's like I think there's might be other countries that have a king or at least an outdated monarchy with a prime minister. OK, because England isn't really run by a monarchy anymore. No, I know. But they have I'm saying they have they have one for. Yeah, yeah, for show or whatever. So. Um, OK, yes, each country pays membership dues. They vote. They all vote on the laws that they all must follow. Now, it gets confusing because technically citizens of any member of the EU. So we're, you're all citizens of the EU and can go back and forth to countries. You can work in different countries. Oh. You can all of that stuff. Um so if you live in Luxembourg and decided you want to retire in Copenhagen, you could. Well, we can't even really do that here in America, just in states. Right. Or you'd need different... Inc- I mean, it's the tax... There are still sub... There's a hundred million like yeah, sub yeah, yeah. things. Right. So now even with these three basic rules, there are addendums and we're not even going to get into it. There's economical weird shit. For example, one area near Switzerland, which is borderless... And then there's the money. So within the EU, there's subunions and rules, and it's all very fucking weird and confusing. But at the end of the day, they really, I mean, in my opinion, they're trying to do a good thing. But yeah, England is sort of like, I don't want to fucking have to deal with this borderless area where these people just are coming into our country and can work. Right. However, there are countries where you can come into your country, but I can't go into your country and work. Yeah. Well, so England there's that too. Well, always been the top of the pops they're elitist and i'm fine with them staying like that I mean, right. we want to keep the union strong everyone else can stay in it you know like the regular people like the like the civilians <laughs> right yeah i mean you know? it's remains to be seen what will happen when they take their money out of there and if that will help with that will crumble <laughs> like all the other countries or whatever i wonder how we much don't know that you the united kingdom represents of the total money that i don't know it's but like texas going out or L- it's a, California. I mean, it's a huge chunk because that's a huge country and it's one of the richer ones. Marine Le Pen also wants to pull out. Okay. Did you so, say that Theresa May wants to? She's the one out. leading the... Yes, she's in the Conservative Party. I was just going to say, so when it comes to political parties in Britain, mm-hmm. now we're dealing with the political parties and their political system and Brexit was a huge thing there. It's almost like people went insane the way we went insane over Trump. Like that marches was, in the that street. happening during Trump, yeah, right? Right. So they didn't 
protests in the same manner of when Theresa May became prime minister, when they went insane was when Brexit happened. So but did they already exit? Because I thought they did. I think they were in the process of it. And they're done now or? Well, they're not technically done because they still have to sort of go through a whole process. And now Theresa May is saying she called for a snap general election so that oh. people could vote again on parliament, on the parliament to see if they keep her in, then she's going to go full force and she's going to pull them out. Okay. So, so let's play that clip. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's a clip of her calling for the snap general election. Great. I have just chaired a meeting of the Cabinet where we agreed that the government should call a general election to be held on the 8th of June. I want to explain the reasons for that decision, what will happen next, and the choice facing the British people when you come to vote in this election. Last summer, after the country voted to leave the European Union, Britain needed certainty, stability, and strong leadership. And since I became Prime Minister, the government has delivered precisely that. Despite predictions of immediate financial and economic danger, since the referendum, we have seen consumer confidence remain high, record numbers of jobs, and economic growth that has exceeded all expectations. We have also delivered on the mandate that we were handed by the referendum result. Britain is leaving the European Union and there can be no turning back. Okay, so I don't understand. She's calling for an election that might make her go away. Yeah, and I was confused too because I was like, are, you, are, are people voting on Brexit or are people voting on you and the Labour Party guy? Because there's a, basically there's a Conservative Party and the Labour Party and the Labour Party is sort of like the Liberal Party. And she is calling for like an early election. And I, from what I understand, from what I've read, it's about them in Parliament, not the actual Brexit. Was Tony Blair conservative? I don't know. I don't either. That, that's a good question. So that's happening. That was a big deal because apparently um, that nobody thought she would do that. She's like a fucking hard ass too. If you listen to her talk, like, and we just heard yeah. her, I think she is like not playing around. I watched, I sat and watched today on C-SPAN. They had um, the parliament, you know, when they're all in parliament and yelling mm -hmm. at each other and shit. Mm -hmm. Like that is how I wish Congress was. Have you ever watched yeah. that? Are they in wigs or is that in no, Italy? No, they're not in wigs, but they're in that room. Because in Italy, they're in the wigs. Oh, they are? Yeah. Ugh, I mean, take the ones though. <laughs> you know what I mean? The wigs are smelly. But they're in the room of from like 17 whatever that tiny wooden room Westman and they stand Strabby, up yeah they're right, yeah, yeah, yeah right and they're yelling and they're like the honorable gentleman from Cham Cham <laughs> from Chambly I think it's quite interesting and hilarious that you would speak to me in such a tone but what I would like to say is that we have been working on school education reform for many years now but yet your people have not come to step on the plate but if you want to step on the plate well I suppose you can <laughs> and then like sits down and then, then they go oh blah, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. and then somebody says the honorable gentleman from Cheshire and then he's like, hello, I'm in Manuel Cheshire of Cheshire. <laughs> the prime minister thinks it's hilarious that we haven't been paid our doodle And like, it goes like that. And oh it's my God. amazing. I love England. And she Ugh. keeps getting up. And basically it's like they yell, yell, yell. And she has to, she has to um, get up after every single, single time and like respond. Oh, that's so great. It's funny. They're like the most polite and the most classy. But in yet that room. so irate. Yeah. And in that room, they go crazy. They go crazy. So anyway, so they're going to do the vote. 
Um, Brexit is is so now we understand that. What? Let's see what else. That's pretty much it. I mean, that's it, right? Yeah. So that's sort of that where was it's good. At. I feel like I know, and I guess we'll find out when we don't know. Is I believe it's happened? June eighth or June twentieth, or was that the French thing? That they're both. Uh, oh. France, I think, is the twentieth, and I think Brexit is the eighth, or right, they're so, or they're crisscross. I'm so not this sure. This will play before that. Right. Okay. Well, fish and chips, beans on toast, Newcastle, <laughs> Ooh. The, the Thames River. Oh, Thames. I the love Thames. the Thames. I love like all the, the trash eye. in the oh, Thames. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Good one. Um, and all things, West End. All things bloody. All things bloody. I mean, the Tudors. Mm-hmm. But I mean bloody as in fuck. Because bloody is a bad word there. Oh, right. Shag. Faggot. Yeah, but bloody. Like, yeah, get bl- your bloody get your hands bl- off me. Right. Which means fucking and they can't right. say it on TV. Oh, God. Um, if England is my favorite international topic, then this next one is definitely <laughs> yours, meow meow. So let's get to the one, the only Israel and Palestine. Shalom. anything about this either <laughs> and whatever I've learned over the last couple of years I can't seem to ever remember or just keep in my head so I even once had my dad explain it to me while I was still talking to him and <laughs> and for the record um my dad is on the side of Israel and he's super staunch about that but I asked him to explain it to me like a historian would with no bias no one can do that well he did it and he actually did a great job I mean he can talk oh. about nothing with no bias so he actually did a good job of explaining it but we were discussing it while floating on a mattress in the topless pool at the Wynn in Las Vegas. I've told you guys this before, but the story never gets old. And this gorgeous Asian lady um, doggy paddled up to us and said she couldn't help overhearing our conversation. And she said she used to work at the UN and she proceeded to have a deep conversation with my dad while her naked boobs bobbed around on top of the water. And I promptly lost interest and stopped listening. But my dad got so into it that he talked to her for the next two hours and ended up with heat stroke. Wow. Literally. That's amazing. So he couldn't get out of bed for the rest of the Vegas trip because of his heat stroke. And I'm like, I hope it was worth it, Russ. That's amazing. Well, in 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 um f- for full disclosure's sake, I'm Jewish. <laughs> we were brought up to be pro Israel, learned about it in Hebrew school, whatever. I never paid attention. Israel was just a word that just was synonymous. Synonymous? That's a word. Synonymous uh-huh. with Jew stuff. With Jew stuff. Then of course as I got older, I was able to form my own opinion after reading some stuff and found myself to be still pro Israel. So just so you guys know, it's an it's an besides just Julie bugging on with it twenty four seven. Um, it's an interesting topic because, well, like she says, it affects like our our foreign relations with everyone. It, it a lot of it really does come down to that, and um, or that affects it. And also among like American Jewish people, Jewish Americans, um, there's a lot of sort of like, um, 
infighting yeah, and, and shaming, shaming. and yeah. so that makes it really interesting if you have any jewish friends and obviously like my life partner and best friends julie and, <laughs> and she gets a lot of weird shaming with that and it's also weird because conservatives a lot of times like my dad it will be really into israel but then Jewish people in general are liberal. So then they've they have this, a lot of guilt. Yeah. And got this weird kinship. So I don't know. It's weird. There's like a lot of Jewish guilt over being um, into Israel. So for me, I'm into it and um, don't apologize for it. However, I'm not opposed to hearing, of course, any and all sides, which we'll get to. So. All right. When it comes to Israel and Palestine, one could argue Israel and the Middle East. You could basically I'm saying like it's like Israel and Palestine, but. I'm also saying it could also be Israel and the Middle East, Israel and the rest of the world, et cetera, et cetera. The controversy, controversies are never ending and the opinions and feelings are deep and passionate and filled with love, hate, ignorance, fear, and let's be honest, a gross feeling towards Jews. And when it comes to Jews, <laughs> oh God. a gross feeling, and when it comes to Jews, a gross feeling towards Palestinians and Arabs. And the spectrum in between is varied and confusing and unfortunate and sad and pathetic and lame and dumb and useless and pointless. And the region which at one time was the center of the world is now the center of terrorism miseducation sexism fundamentalism and a constant never-ending clash of cultures religion and a fight for education so let's narrow it in i found an awesome website that made things very basic and i thought it was really unbiased and much of this is lifted from there and it's called vox.com now i've read books i've watched documentaries i tried to talk to as many people as i can and just for what I know, from what I understand, and I've never even been to Israel. I was supposed to go twice, but there were bomb threats and my mom would let me go. <laughs> I know. You uh, didn't get to go on that thing where Jewish no, people go I down for an free. expedition or whatever yeah, it's called. exactly. For free. I didn't, I've never made to make Aliyah because they were too, too, it was too dangerous. So what are Israel and Palestine? So Israel is the world's only Jewish state located just east of the Mediterranean Sea. Palestinians, the Arab population that hails from the land Israel now controls, refer to the territory as Palestine and want to establish a state by that name on all or part of the same land. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is over who gets what land and how it's controlled. So the whole thing is about land and occupying the land yes. and forcefully occupying it. Right. And then Jewish people have this um, monkey on their back and chip on their shoulder because they don't they've been kicked out of everywhere. And yes. they think everyone hates Jewish people. Yes. Julie taught me this. And you know what? She really does have it. She doesn't have any guilt and she's not good with money. But that thing she does have. <laughs> well, a fact is a fact. And the fact is that Jews have been kicked out of everywhere. So look in your history books, literally kicked out of everywhere or put in, you know, um, villages showers? or whatever shtetls oh, and oh. <laughs> you know whatever okay yeah showers for sure so both jews and arab muslims date their claims to the land back a couple thousand years the current political conflict however began in the early 20th century jews fleeing persecution in europe wanted to establish a national homeland in what was then an arab and muslim majority territory in the ottoman and later british empire I thought it's important this is to remember Jesus was born Allegedly, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is also in this area. So didn't Jewish people already have it then? That is the argument. Oh, okay. Look, I already look how I got boiled down to the basic <laughs> of the argument right there. All I needed was the Bible. For Jews. Well, yeah. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. But that's, I mean, it's in the, the Bible. Ch- and don't we all get, right. they all get into the Bible? Right. Everyone here. All of them. So you think America would be into it? And most of America is. And that's oh. why conservatives are into it. Well, because of Jesus. Sh- people shame you? Uh, people shame oh. me. Jews shame me. Oh, mostly. Oh, right, right, right. Because of the guilt, which oh, we can't see. Okay. Because, okay. okay. So the uh, the thing is, is that 
Okay, so the Arabs resisted. They didn't want the Jews coming in the 20th century, seeing the land as rightfully theirs. An early United Nations plan to give each group part of the land failed. There were several, and this is also important to remember at that time, they weren't run by any of their own government. They were either owned by Ottoman, which is Turkey, basically, and um, British Empire. So then that was this like 1912 or something? Turn of the century. Okay. Late 1800s is really when it started. And then... But through that time, yes, the teens into the 20s, into the 30s. So then the United Nations got involved and started to try and figure out how can we help, like, divvy it up. So it's important to note um, many of the lands, the first Zionist, the Zionist is a person who believes that Israel is their homeland, so Zionism, um, took over, were legally purchased from landowners. Now, this is a huge point of contention, and this is where I would put a call out to anyone who's Palestinian or has a dissenting view, like Noam Chomsky would dis- disagree. Mm. So there's two major Jews who always fight about this, who Noam Chomsky <laughs> and um, the that defense lawyer, Dershowitz, oh, okay. Alan Dershowitz. Okay. Noam, Chomsky, Noam Chomsky and Alan Dershowitz, are no, they've gone on talks together and debated it. Oh. Noam Chomsky is against like an Israel Jewish homeland and thinks that they're occupiers. And- well, so, but I just need to clarify. They were, we're assuming they were there when Jesus was born. The Jews. Right. Right. The Jewish people were there when Jesus was born. Then right. they pieced out. They got kicked out. Oh, let's by say these Romans. Okay. By Romans. Then they went around to other places, got kicked out of other places. Egypt. They were kicked out of Egypt. They're kicked out of okay. Israel. Then they tried Rome. to roll back in, in like 1890. <laughs> right. And now Arab people Had been living are there. there, but they don't own it because they're owned by Turkey or whatever the fuck, or their governments in Turkey. But then they're like, no, homie, we already, this is our shit now. This is our shit. Yeah. We've been living here for yeah. a million years and you don't just get to come here and be like, this was our, like native... I mean, (laughs) similar to like Native American. I mean, there's a lot of similarities you can draw to a lot of different things. So and is it right or wrong? That's the thing. Jews came in from Europe. They weren't even they came in from Europe and from other places, though. There were Jews in the area because people just are they were already different religions that were living there. Mm -hmm. So there were parts the land that was not being occupied these Jews oh, that's came they in. Were. It was empty land. Hey, no one's here. Right. No one's here. It's it's mountains and it's fucking dirt hills and sand And they bought and it. Shit. Oh, and we paid for it. Now, some people also say they bullied people out. Most likely, because that's what you do. I mean, so. As, as, as you do, um, all of us. Right. So I'm not saying that didn't yeah, happen. I'm going to, if I need the real estate. Right. I'm going to do what I can. And I'm literally a farm is offer. failing. People are just living in squalor. These Jews came in. We're like, here's a hundred shekels. Go exactly. get the fuck out. Okay. So, th- okay. So now. Today's lines largely largely reflect the outcomes of these wars. Then there were wars. There were full wars. I find 19- it shocking that Jews just couldn't take over the area. Well, they did. I mean, basically, they've taken it over and they fight off every single, every country around Israel hates them and wants them to die. But yeah, but why you think they could take it over the way we took over Native Americans? And I mean, it's been what, 150 oh. well, years I think or that 130 they were, years? Yeah, now? I think they were unable to do it because the Native Americans, A, died out, B, were dispersed, well, C, people just weren't that, Jewish people just aren't that athletic. <laughs> <laughs> there are also so many more Arabs slash Muslims slash anyone, well, everyone else but Jews. I mean, not, not for nothing. Right. So they had two. Then, then the Jews did fight in two wars in 1948 and 1967. They th- everyone thought they were going to lose. They were outmatched, outnumbered. It was like the 300, all of it. And the Jews fucking won. So because they were like, we won't do Israel. We won't do anything. <laughs> Menorahs. So today. Jesus is a strong, even though it's not Jesus. It's 
Ten Commandments type shit. Oh, I mean, like, <laughs> Jews are not kidding around. So today, so uh, the, that, that land that they were fighting the Palestinians for were the best West Bank and Gaza Strip. I shouldn't say only for, but the West Bank and the Gaza Strip are really where everything is going on now. I hear that all the time, those so, two terms. Today, the West Bank is nominally controlled by the Palestinian Authority and is under Israeli occupation. This comes in the form of Israeli troops who enforce Israeli security, restrictions on Palestinian movement and activities, and Israeli settlers, another big thing, Jews who build ever-expanding communities in the West Bank that effectively deny the land to Palestinians. Okay. Taking so over, bagel bell, taking, honey. They keep going and they keep <laughs> taking over and they won't stop. This is a huge point of contention. And this is really where Israelis get like uncomfortable because the people... If you talk to a lot of Israelis and I ask a friend of mine who lives there, like, what do you think of the settlements? They're like, oh, no, no, we wish they, <laughs> we, we wish they wouldn't do that. Like, and those are generally uber religious Jews. Yeah, because it's like tacky. It's tacky. Right. Like, you don't need to go do a settlement in West Bank when you know that the Palestinians are fucking trying to, like, right. do their shit. Like, and they have curls hanging down. Yes. And they're doing it like that. And they're being annoying. And they're fundamentalists. They're fundamentalists, yeah. which is why they feel that they deserve the right to that, to that area. So Gaza, however, however is controlled by Hamas an Islamist fundamentalist party and is under Israeli blockade, but not ground troop occupation. So there was a um, there have been several sort of terroristy fundamentalist groups mm-hmm. who have taken over Palestine um, and Israel is always like fighting them. So the two um, I wouldn't even want to bother. I'm not going to build my fucking subdivision. I wouldn't either. Terrorists. I wouldn't like, want to do it either. Worth it. So they've also tried to have peace negotiate. There have been several peace negotiations through the years where they tried to get Palestine and Israel together. And Israel has always, 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 always. And this is why I'm pro-Israel. Basically, point one. Israel has said yes to peace. Israel has said, yes, we will try something. We will try something. Now, we don't trust you and you don't trust us. So we're not just going to pull out and let you fucking bomb us. But -hmm. we'll start trying. Will you start trying? No. Well, then what my dad told me when the lady, when we have to wrap this up and we're going to play a clip. Okay. But about the clip is about what um, the the resolutions could look like, the possible resolutions. But what the lady told uh, when she rolled up and said she used to work at the UN, when her titties were bobbing, when my dad (laughs) told me that the thing is, um, the problem is, and this was way before Trump, my dad got the heat stroke Uh years ago, but he said is that Palestinians would like bomb a school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then, right, or they, and then it well, would... Well, or they would use... They'd yeah. go from a school. They would go to a school, the, right. send bombs out, and then the only way to then bomb them back is now you're bombing a school. Yeah, and they hide they, in schools. They right. hide in oh, people's houses. Yeah. They go yeah. and use children. They use, you know, all that shit. They do. They do all that. And, and then, then, I mean, then Israel looks that, like that they just bombing. killed children. Yeah, okay. Well, before we play the clip, I just need to know, we can or can't visit Israel? And why can't we just we live can. in Israel and let them have all the rest of it? We can live in Israel. Yeah, so why don't is Jewish people just live in Israel and let them have Palestine? Well, they they well that's the whole thing with the two state solution. They want a Palestine and they want an Israel. Oh, I want to. But go the with Palestinians that. don't want that. Oh. They want the Jews gone. So and we that's can't the problem. live in Israel because they're trying to kick us out of Israel too. Palestines. Yes. Oh. But a lot of Americans have moved to Israel. One hundred million. I clearly percent. didn't l- l- learn anything because I still don't. I thought. We could go to Israel. Any Jew especially could go to Israel. But let's say we wanted to move there together. Okay. Okay. And live together. A, LGBT rights. Yes. In Israel. <laughs> Women's rights. Yes. In Israel. Yeah. We could go. It's a westernized, democratic, very liberal But I'm saying are Palestinians breathing down my goddamn neck the whole time? Well, they're there? not not the whole time because they're occupied. 
So they're in a different area, which is the problem. They are trying to take over Israel. They want Israel. Okay, that's... And I finally learned. That's the problem. But Israel is willing to live with them. But they're not willing to live with Israel. So that's why I'm for pro-Israel. Let's play the clip. (laughs) What would a single Israeli-Palestinian nation look like? Well, if it were to happen today, it would be home to slightly more Arabs than Jews. If this gap were to widen, it would jeopardize Israeli's identity as an explicitly Jewish state. In another scenario, the newly unified state could remain Jewish, but only by denying Palestinians the right to vote, initiating what many have called an apartheid state. In the words of former Secretary of State John Kerry, Israel can either be Jewish or democratic. It cannot be both. Even if a unified Israel-Palestine did guarantee equal rights, it would likely still face major problems. Israelis and Palestinians have a different language, culture, and traditions, not to mention a radically different understanding of their history. Experts say that a one-state solution could mean endless battles over control for everything from public art to schools to street names. Others predict that the hypothetical state's economy could collapse. Taxes may be raised to account for lower-income Palestinians, and this could result in a mass exodus of Israeli tech companies and social elite. With prospects of a peaceful, unified nation seemingly impossible, the United Nations and much of the international community continues to push for a separate Israel and Palestine. With more than half a million Israelis now living in the West Bank, however, this goal is increasingly looking like a pipe dream. Okay, so that's (laughs) about all the time we have for intercontinental politics. And it's definitely all I can stomach for one day. Our 14 listeners have gone down to two. So that's it for this very special global, worldwide, intercontinental, universal, multinational <laughs> episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this departure from our usual format. We will be back next week with another weird evergreen episode for you. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm traveling so much. I, you know how it is. You got to feed. You got to feed the kids. Uh, well, but more importantly, we're doing a dumb gay politics live show. Attention, 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 15 minutes. Okay. (laughs) We're going to be doing a live show here in LA on Wednesday, June 7th. So if you live in LA or can get here, please come and see us at the Hollywood Improv Lab. Yes. It's going to be a small, intimate gathering of just our 14 (laughs) listeners and their guests. Um, and the room only holds 50 people. Thank God. Um, And it already about half that amount have already confirmed. So get your ticket now so that it doesn't sell out because Alec Mappa is joining us for off limits and his sexy little Gaijin butt is selling the shit out of these tickets. (laughs) So we picked the right guess. You're going to love it. You're going to just love it. (laughs) You're Uh, so horny. I know. I don't know what the problem is. God. (laughs) Jesus. You need to get on home. <laughs> uh, we can pre-buy, or you can pre-buy your tickets at the Hollywood Improv website. They're only $10. Much like this podcast, someone somewhere will be making money on the show, but it won't be us. So thank you all for your comments and reviews. Keep them coming. We read them all. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and dumb. And international biatches? International. It's been uh, homosexual and dumb. 
on a pendejo. Well, as, that's right. You don't. In another language. Stupido. Estupido. Yeah. Oh, of course we had to go to Spanish. That's the only Bye. language I know. Er. Shalom. Shit, it's all just dumb gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that. Cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit, uh, uh, this shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, this shit is Trumpanas, T-R-U-M-P-A-N-A-N-A-S, what? I don't know, I don't even know.